My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. All right. Well, welcome to Our Sunday School. We're in Mark chapter 3 today. So if you've got your Bibles, head over to Mark chapter 3. And we'll start with our question that we ask uh, each week. What is God doing in you through His Word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? So what is God doing in you through the portion of Mark we have studied so far? Blowing your mind. How is He blowing your mind, Darla? Yep. The checklist, yeah. Yes. Right. Can you say that again? List. But it feels so good to make a list and to check it off and to. Yeah, it doesn't make anybody else feel good. Yeah. All right, and that's the lesson for today. Um, no. We should stop and unpack that for about three hours. <clears throat> Thank you. That was a good observation. Anybody else? What is God doing in you through the portion of Mark we have studied so far? The fluff isn't needed? Yeah. Yeah, Mark is a... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We don't uh, we don't stop around and uh, I don't get the feeling that Mark was the guy that hung around church afterward and just chatted about the events of the day. Um, yeah, it was a it was a pretty quick pace that he moved through, right? All right, let's take a look. So we're going to read uh, Mark chapter three, and then we're going to ask some questions. Uh, and we are inter- so I'm going to I'm going to. Read this sentence underneath the literary structural observation. So Jesus continues to ask questions to his uh, enemies. Um, and we are introduced to the Herodians. And uh, somebody circle the word Herodians on your handout there. Because we're going to... We might get to that today. And if we do, I've got something for you. And if we don't, I may still have something for you. So we'll see. So let's read Mark chapter 3. <clears throat> Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. 
He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. And Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. Then he went home and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he casts out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then, indeed, he may plunder his house. Truly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, He has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent and called to him, And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. So let's take a look at verses, uh, we'll start in verse 1, and we'll see how far we get today. So I have, as I typically do, highlighted several words uh, throughout your handout, and that's uh, just notes for myself on where to stop and pause and explore just a little bit. So in verse 1 there, he says, again. So what do we learn from the word again? What's that? It's repetitive, right? It's happened before. This is his... Norm. This is his habit. This is what he typically does. He entered the synagogue, and we've talked about the synagogue. This had been the the center of teaching for this particular village or town. And uh, a man was there uh, with a withered hand. And the word with here is actually the the verb. It's a present participle active. This is ongoing. This is habitual. This is not something that had recently happened. This was something that he'd had uh, a while uh, most people, when they talk about this, talk about this being something he likely had from birth. Uh, and I, don't, I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't argue or support that notion, but I, I would say that the text uh, just says he's had this habitually. 
he's had this withered, this, uh, this dried up. Um, I've highlighted verse uh, 9 to 18. So flip over to Mark 9. I find it very helpful to look and see how the writer uses words elsewhere in the same book. Because many times you can get an idea of what else is going on and what the, the thought is in the writer's mind. So this is uh, where Jesus heals the boy with an unclean spirit. Um, in verse 17, somebody from the crowd answered him and said, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And if you heard about somebody who uh, something seized him, threw them down, foaming and grinding their teeth and becoming rigid, what would you say that they likely had? Had some kind of a seizure, right? Okay. Where is the word withered? In that verse, in verse 18. It is. It's what? It's actually the word rigid. So when you think about something that's withered, the water has gone out of it, it is dried up, it has become hard and immovable. So I I think about when I hear this man had a withered hand that it's, it's fixed. It's not movable. It's something is functionally not correct with what is going on. So this is the, the mindset here, right? So there's a man there with a withered hand. And then what happens in Mark over and over and over and over and in all the Gospels, and they watched Jesus. Now, why were they watching Jesus? Was he just fun to watch? I think he probably kind of was, <laughs> right? I mean, Jesus is at the synagogue today. I feel like that's one of those where attendance slips up after he arrives. Like, you know, what you got, Doug? Why were they watching him? Good. Thank you. Wait, 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 wait. Let me let me push back on something. Let me push back on something. You mean you're telling me you're allowed to think about the text of Sunday school that we're going to study before we get into Sunday school? That's allowed? I don't know. Yeah. Allowed, encouraged, and is your weekly homework. Yes, excellent. Good. Thank you for making that point. So was this the temple? Well, it's the synagogue. Right. So was this the temple? Well, no, not the temple. It's excellent. The Great. Uh, big difference there. Yes. So, would he have been allowed in there? I'm asking myself that question. And would this possibly be a setup? Because they knew that what Jesus was going to do, and it's an occasion for them to use this on their behalf. But I, I don't know. Somewhat kind of get that idea. Because what you just Did anybody ever try to set Jesus up? <laughs> Regularly, yeah. It doesn't say that. But it doesn't say that, does it? Again, but it might be a head nod to what's coming in the future. And this is a this very easily could yeah this very easily could have been a um, an immature, unorganized first attempt, right? Uh, what I have found is that when somebody tries to attack you, their first move is not always their best move. It's just what was convenient and easy. And this might be in that, right? That's right. 
Who's the Yes, thank you. I didn't ask that question, did I? Who's the they? Who's the they? Yeah, the Pharisees, right, absolutely. They watched Jesus to see whether he would heal. This is therapeuo. This is the uh, to make better on the Sabbath, right? Why would they be watching this, Darla? Because they had a what? They had a list. And this was on the list of things that you could not heal on the Sabbath, right? So if you will point to me in the Old Testament where it says you are not allowed to heal on the Sabbath, thank you very much, you answered correctly. Um, here's, here's not a verse about healing on the Sabbath. Um, and I'm going to ask you a question on the very back side of your handout. My last question is, did Jesus do any work on that Sabbath? And if you pay attention to the text, the answer is pretty clear. So they were watching Jesus to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that what? They might accuse him, right? So they, they did have this in mind. So flip over to the, the back part of Mark, chapter 15. I find it interesting they do this in Mark chapter 3. And I would, I would argue that they get better at it. Uh, Mark 15, this is this last week, uh, verse 2, And Pilate asked him, this is Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate asked him again, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? Now, this word accuse is in verse 3 and in verse 4. Where is it in verse 3? It's accused, right? Where is it in verse 4? Charges. That's exactly right. See, these people were under the Mosaic law. And we sometimes forget that the law, the Old Testament law, was actually their law book. Like this was their canon of... It was the, well, it was the basis for it. They added a whole bunch of junk on top of it. But this was what they would bring someone to court over. This is why when Jesus would be questioned by lawyers, these were experts in the law, so to speak, so that they might accuse him. They wanted to bring him before the religious leaders and say, hey, he has broken the law. And he said, so who's the he? Verse 3. Who's the he? Jesus, and Jesus said to the man, who's the man? It's the man with the withered hand, right? Something that's fixed. Come here. Now the word come is an imperative. So he's commanding him to do something here. It's really, really clear. So we're going to live this out real quick. I just want everybody to see how this works. Josh, come here. Well, that's even more appropriate, actually. <laughs> now, what does the word here mean? I want you to look at your handout here real quick, okay? The first, it's actually two Greek words. It's ice and mesos. Ice means two or into, and mesos is the middle. So this is not one of those things. So let's make sure we make it biblical, right? So come here. So this is not one of those things where Jesus is doing something in secret because he does this a lot in the New Testament where he does something privately and he tells somebody, don't go tell anything. He called the man with the withered hand into the middle. <laughs> now, why do, you, 
Why do you think he wants to call him into the middle? Now, don't go anywhere. Oh, you put it down. I was going to read off of it. There you go. You got it. You're good. So come here. So come into the middle. And he, he what? He said to them. Who's the them now? So he's pulled this man up in the middle of everybody. And he's not going to talk to him yet. <laughs> Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? Now, where did the Pharisees verbally articulate what they were doing? <laughs> he knew what they were thinking, right? So don't miss these little bitty, like, wait, what? How do you know that? How do you know that? Because he's God. That's how he knew it. All right. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> I'm making you nervous, aren't I? <laughs> and he said, "Is it lawful?" So this is this. We're, we're gonna. I'm gonna. You can look up two twenty four ten two and twelve fourteen later. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good? I love these old school definitions of these words. The word for good means a well doer, right? Or to do harm. This is a bad doer. <laughs> like, I, I feel like strong here was. <laughs> He had like a, a four-year-old walked into his office when he was writing out these particular definitions, right? As a well-doer or a bad-doer. So what are, you, what are you going to do, right? So let me ask you this question. Does it matter what day of the week it is, whether it should drive us, whether we are well-doers or bad-doers? No, absolutely not, right? Absolutely not. So it, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life, sozo, this is the basis for our soteriology. This is the root word for salvation, right? Oh, look, I have a page turner. I'm going to have to come out in the audience more. This is fantastic. To save life or to kill. So he poses this question to everybody around. And what's the answer? Crickets. Crickets, I say. Because remember, I mean, there were over and over and over and over and over again, they would try to trick Jesus with their questions. Try to get him into a corner and say, there's no way to answer this question. And what would he typically do? Ask him a question. <clears throat> this is the Jewish art of rabbinical questioning, right? You, you answer a question with a question. So they answered, they answered nothing, but they were silent. Now, why were they silent? The text doesn't tell us this, but why do you think they were silent? That's right. They have a real problem if they answer. Now, I want you to contrast that. Let's flip over to Mark 14, 61. Mark 14, 61. Because we have in that Mark chapter 14, somebody else who was asked a question and didn't give an answer. So I don't want to make the case that not answering every single question is immoral. Right? I don't want to make that case. So what's Mark 14, 61? Who's got it? You got it? Who even in the ESV? Here you go. But he remained silent and made no answer. Oh, I'm sorry. We should have backed up. Okay. Uh, we we were we heard him say, verse 58, "I will destroy this temple. It's made with hands." Uh, you have even about this testimony. They didn't agree. The high priest stands up in the midst and asks Jesus, "Have you no answer to make? Was it these men testify against you?" Verse 61. But he remained silent and made no answer. Right. 
He was quiet on this. But he wasn't quiet about the next question. What's the next one? Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, Yeah. They go, I may. <laughs> I am. Totally changes everything. So back to John chapter or John. We're not in John. <clears throat> You'd think I'd know that at this point, right? <laughs> back to Mark, chapter three, verse five. And he looked around. Who's the he? Jesus looks around at them. Who's the them? With anger. Now, the Greek word here is orge. And this is violent passion. This is the idea that there is there's a great amount of anger that is building up. And the next word is just sad, right? Grieved. He is sorrowful at the hardness, at the porosis. This may sound familiar to some of you with, uh, like me, with uh, skin conditions at times where things harden over and get calloused. Uh, the hardness, the callousness of their what? Their hearts. Thank you. Come on. Which is the best part. Thank you. It's like you guys have all missed it. Yes. You have no concept. But does he say that? No. He doesn't use those words, right? He's just grieved. So he says to who? The man. Says to the man. Here you go. You ready? I love this. So which hand are you going to have as your bad hand? This one. Okay. <laughs> Here's what Jesus says to him. Stretch out your hand. Now wait. Before you do it, did Jesus tell him which one? Okay. Have you ever had something that you thought made you embarrassed? Something that you thought made you different? Would you willfully, openly, like, like I'm going to... You don't put that out there. You hide that, right? You, you, you hold that back. You stand so that that can't be seen. You position yourself so that you're not the center of... But Jesus has brought him out here in the middle of everything, and he says, stretch out your hand. What does the text say? And it was what? It was restored. So let me ask you a question. What work did Jesus do? <laughs> Careful. There you go. Come on. I was going to say, don't say no work. Don't say no work. If you say no work, then you are saying that what God did in Genesis chapter 1, way, way, way back when, was not work. Yeah, right? This is the one who can work with his words. And things come to life again and are restored again. This is amazing. And if you don't think for a second that that man with the withered hand is not us, well, so we, we are not Jesus in this story. <laughs> Make sure we all understand, right? We are not Jesus. We are the man with the withered hand with the problem who cannot solve it on his own, who is in need of a Savior, who is in need of the one who can speak and do miracles and amaze and save. So thank you, sir. You're fixed now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> It's going to be a really crappy video this morning, but that's all right. All right. <clears throat> he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. 
Go to Mark 8.25 for just a second. This word shows up a couple of different times in Mark. This word for restored. What's Mark 8.25? He heals a blind man, right? At Bethsaida. He says he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the village when he'd spit on his eyes. <laughs> like This is not a model for us. Just... Right? There's a lot of guys, there's a lot of things Jesus does that we should do exactly the same thing. Daniel, don't spit on people's eyes, okay? It's like not a good way to just do life. <laughs> he, he spit on his eyes, he laid his hands on him, and he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored. He saw everything clearly. No, actually. Great question. We think of the word, the English word restored, as in there was some functionality before. Yes, yes. Here, we actually don't even think the guy had like, like, like eyeballs. Like there was some, there was a real problem. But he saw clearly. What I want to point out is the clarity in 825. So what was his vision right there? Clear, right? And if you went to the doctor and they said, you don't need glasses, what is your vision? 2020, whatever it is, it's, it's clear. When Jesus restores, how fully is it restored? Fully restored. So I'm going to take that definition of restored and back it into Mark 3. When he restored his hand, he has two good functioning hands at this point. And that's not the last time that Mark uses this word. Flip, turn your page one more time. Mark 9, uh, 12. Uh, let's look at verse 9. As they were coming down the mountain, he charged, Jesus charged them to tell no one what they'd seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Imagine keeping that one to yourself. Uh, this is the transfiguration, by the way. This is where they're, like, they'd, never, they'd literally never seen anything like this before. No humans had ever seen anything like this before. So verse 10, they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. <laughs> he said the words, rising from the dead. I wonder what rising from the dead means. And they asked him, why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how it is written, the son of man, that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt. But I tell you that Elijah has come and they did to him whatever they pleased as it is written of him. So there is another restoring come in the future. And that restoring will look like the earlier restorings in that it will be full and complete. And Mark chapter 9 is a load of fun. And we will get there in 2027. So, <clears throat> uh, no. <laughs> All right, back to chapter 3. I just wanted to wet your whistle for just a second. He stretched out his hand, and his, and it, his hand was restored. The Pharisees said, this is the Christ the Son of the living God. 
and they bowed down and they worshiped and they acknowledged Jesus. They accepted him and everything was great. Mark puts a period right there. They go straight to the crucifixion. Is this what happens? Not quite. How do you know somebody has a list? When you don't follow their list, they get very, very angry. Like, hi, my name's Jim. I love lists. And when you don't follow my list, it's like, oh my goodness. All right, so some of you know this, some of you don't. So in my bulletin each Sunday morning, when, when Daryl is not here, uh, it, it falls on me to do the prayer before the sermon, uh, to finish up the invitation for whomever is preaching, uh, to do offering announcements. I'm reading off my list. Uh, to know what the offering video is, and then to do closing announcements. Here is my list of things that I will actually say today. I love lists. It is a good list. And periodically, somebody likes to add things or take things off of my list. And I don't know if you noticed or not, but there is something written in pen at the bottom of my typed out list. <laughs> so what do the Pharisees do? They went out and immediately, <laughs> Jesus isn't the only one in Mark who does things immediately, and immediately held counsel, the imperfect tense there, they held counsel, and they do this again at the end of the book in verse 15, in chapter 15, verse 1, with the Herodians, which is a weird word, right? The Herodians. And you're like, who do you think that kind of feels like it might have something to do with? Herod. Herod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They held counsel with the Herodians against him. Against who? Against Jesus. Mark loves the Greek word autos. Um, and he, he just really did. I don't know if he detests, but the Holy Spirit led him not to use a lot of nouns, a lot of pronouns in Mark. So you kind of, I have to, this is how I read Mark. It's like, okay, who is the he? Who is the him? Who is the you? Who is the they? They held counsel with the Herodians against Jesus how to destroy him. All right, so I want to make sure we get something. So the, where's my subjunctive? It's not up there. Where did my subjunctive go? This is awful. It was not on my list. <laughs> I will put that on the list, yes. All right. So does anybody... So the pop quiz, here we go, because we've talked about this a few times. Does anybody remember what the subjunctive is? There's a reason it's not on the list. The subjunctive is a mood, not a tense. Were you about to tell me that, Mitch? No. Oh, okay. It's like, it's the wrong list. Put the wrong list up. It's on another list. I know, right? It's the wrong, it's a good list. Like, this is a really good list because we've talked about present, aorist, imperfect, perfect, and even future today. They're all in the text for today. The subjunctive is, so the, the Greek has not only tenses, but moods. And it's the idea of, uh, the subjunctive is the, the idea of possibility or, or, or probability. So there's, this is a possible future. So there's a couple of them, right? There's the, uh, 
the indicative mood, which is a statement of fact. All right. So Josh is able to come here. That is a statement of fact. All right. I think Josh is not able to do a cartwheel to come here. That'd be correct. All right. So that's subjunctive. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the, here's the optative. The optative is like remote possibility. I am really feeling confident that Josh couldn't do a back handstand here to come here, right? Like to leave the ground totally. Was there ever a point in your life where you could do a back handstand? I was going to say, I'm asking the wrong. <laughs> could you do one now? I'm not going to ask you to do one here in class, sorry. Yeah. So that's subjunctive, right? It's possible. So let me ask you. When they took counsel with Herodians against him to destroy him, they thought it was possible. Look at Mark eleven eighteen. Mark eleven eighteen expands a little bit of the reasoning why that these religious leaders wanted to destroy Jesus. And actually, Mark uses the exact same word for destroy. Um, I've never pronounced it correctly once, so it's the A-P-O-L-L-U-M-I word. <clears throat> so the verse 18, the chief priests and the scribes heard it. And this is where Jesus uh, corrects them for the issues they had in the temple. They heard it. Uh, were seeking a way to destroy him, that's the word, for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. So if the crowd was astonished at his teaching, who is the crowd going to follow? Who is the crowd not going to follow? Right. This, this is the root of their issue, is that they wanted to be in charge and not Jesus. So there's my question for you on the... The, the kind of the top third of page 75 of your handout there. Did Jesus do any work on the Sabbath? He spoke, right? Did he violate any Old Testament law with the work that he did? Let's get a good hearty answer to this one. Did he violate any Old Testament law with the work that he did? No, absolutely not. Excellent. All right, so... Um, can you pass out the stacks that we talked about earlier? Awesome. Thank you. So I'm going to hand you something that hopefully, I'm not going to hand it to you. Uh, my friend is going to hand it to you. The, I'm going to hand it something that hopefully will help us answer the question, who were the Herodians? And I just want to spend uh, 30 seconds maybe, maybe 30 seconds talking about this. So every one of us has a, uh, a family tree. Thank you. There we go. And hopefully, yours does not have arrows. <clears throat> was not an Alabama joke. <laughs> um, did every table get a stack? 
Oh, not the tables that don't have people, right? Excellent. All right, good. So just a, 30 seconds on Herod and his family. So there's Herod the Great. Um, and this is the guy that, this is the Herod in the, in the Bible that we talk about at Christmas that tried to kill uh, baby Jesus, right? Well, Herod had, Herod the Great had uh, at least four, we, we know of four, but at least four different wives. Uh, it's just to make sure we're all that that's sin, right? Excellent. Good. I'm glad you know this, Luke. So the, the people in red are his wives. Now, this is not uh, Cleopatra of Egypt, by the way. It's like the, this is one of the reasons I like this particular graphic. So with each one of his wives, he had uh, several different uh, children. So King Herod Agrippa was one of his kids. Um, Herod Antipas, uh, Archelaus, Herod Philip, and then Philip the Tetrarch. And uh, one... Two, three of his sons married Herodias. Yes, your faces are doing exactly what I wanted them to do. And uh, had different children with Herodias, who then some of those children married the great uncle. Yes, ooh, should be your response here. Now, the, the family tree, like Wikipedia has a version that is incredibly difficult to follow. But Herod's family tree is a wreck, an absolute wreck. So when we see people called Herodians, these were people who were politically aligned with this and wanted this kingdom to continue. So when somebody shows up And he's called the king of the Jews. This gets very angry. And all of this mess, from literally top to bottom, is brought, the power there is brought to bear against Christianity. And guess who loses? (laughs) Exhibit A for losers. Herod's family tree is, I think, one of the greatest examples that uh, you can't ruin God's plan. Not even with a really messed up family. Yes, Daniel? Do, do you know for the word? If you'll turn over to the back side of your handout. Okay. Because I, I heard it explained that Herod is actually is a descendant of... Esau. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a family tree that goes up right. that's very antagonistic toward everything of Jesus, too. Yes. Right. But there's, there's one, like, super, super simple thing that you want to see on this handout where it says Herod the Great in the dark blue at the top. He was the governor of Galilee, and he was also the what? <laughs> he thought he was. <laughs> So we will explore this family in a whole lot more detail as we go through Mark because different characters pop up. And what I don't want us to think is I don't want us to think there was just one Herod who lived a really long time. There were several. So fold this one in half, stick in the back of your uh, little Mark, and uh, we'll get to that later as we go through. But a good resource for you to have as we move along. All right, so at each one of your tables, you should have a weekly update. So grab your 
your weekly update. Uh, lean in, engage, pray as a table. When you are finished praying as a table, uh, then you are dismissed to go into the sanctuary to worship the real king of the Jews, the real king of the Gentiles, the real king of kings and lord of lords who is unlike anybody and everybody else. And I am thrilled. So thanks for coming to Sunday School today. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.